The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Radio Network. I'm your host, Stephen Heiner, and our guest, as always, is Father Stephen McKenna, freshly returned from not just one, but two visits to Europe after never having been there uh, before in his life. Father, it's good to have you safely back on your side of the ocean. <laughs> it's good to be back over here and uh, to familiar territory, but it was certainly a great time spent uh spent overseas, so that was an excellent opportunity, and uh, I think last uh, our last trip with Bishop Sanborn was very productive, don't you? Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, we might have some time to, to talk about that uh, a little bit later today. Um, before we get started, uh, would you like to lead us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray Pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, Father, today we're, we're doing two things. We're going to talk a little bit about the Mass. Um, because that's a callback to our very first episode of Pastoralia. But really, today's star of the show is confession. And we're going to spend a lot of our episode talking about, um, I think it's fair to say, a neglected sacrament or perhaps an underappreciated uh, uh, sacrament. Um, but I want to start with some, some lingering mass questions. And one of the first ones, uh, I had I'd mentioned this to you, was someone had emailed us and said, okay, I've become convinced of, of set of a contism. Where do I stop reading now uh, in my missile? Uh, because I'm, I'm confused uh, as, as to where that is. And so what I, I'm going to do, Father, is I, I'm, I'm going to read from, from that part of the canon, and I'll, I'll just I'll sort of stop around the, the sensitive spot, and then uh, you, can, you can sort of comment on that. So... Um, this is after the, the Te Igitur. Um, it's in primis que tibio ferimus pro ecclesia tua sancta catholica quam pacificare custodire adjunare et regere dignaris toto orbe terrarum una cum. <laughs> yeah, that would be right before there is where you stop. <laughs> screeching tires right there. <laughs> So, um, so it goes on to say una cum famo tu papa nostro et antistite nostro. So do we... Do we keep? Do we pick up where it says that omnibus omnibus orthodoxis? 
Yes, yes, correct. It's um, with the, for that clause, uh, the when there is a, a, a time of state of vacante, then the the, the unicum formula uh, to a papa nostro and the antistite, uh, those get omitted, and so it goes right from uh, terrarum to et omnibus orthodoxis. So you would pick up right there, but. Just as an interesting side note with that. Um, so if you're attending Mass of a priest, any normal non-unicum priest, they are going to, um, they're going to say the Mass with that. They'll stop right before the unicum and they'll continue on uh, af- after the, um, the, the, what would repair in your, your missile as the second N, if you will. Um, where there, you would normally in normal times insert a name, but uh, the the interesting thing is that if you're attending a bishop's mass, uh, there is a clause that he inserts there. It's any ordained bishop would insert this clause, whether in a situation of uh, of certificante or not, uh, and that is unicum mei indigno servo tuo. So, which is uh, the bishop. Praise, you know, one me, with thy unworthy servant. Me, thy unworthy servant, and so, um, so that's you know, it's it's interesting because that's just uh, something that is there for all bishops to say. So, um, not that anybody would really notice it because of the fact that it's a prayer that is said silently by the priest, uh, you know, very very quietly, and so most people aren't able to ever hear it. Um, but but just as a as a point of reference that you know that a bishop does pray um, that clause that a priest you know uh, I would not pray that because I'm I'm not a bishop so uh, but uh, and and the other part of it is that uh, the reason why you know you're, you're talking about that uh, getting emails about the the fact that uh, we leave that part out and it's because of the fact that we're not praying for people at that point we are praying as the unicum says one with one in union with um and we're not in union with people who don't adhere to the faith in fact um long long ago the original part the way the canon worked was that that uh that unicum was was linked with the communicantes prayer um you know and so you know showing clearly that it it was praying uh in communion with or in unity with these people. So that's why we don't, you know, as our listeners would know, that, you know, we don't, we we adhere to the Catholic faith, so therefore we adhere to a different faith than those who are claiming uh, the the seas of of Rome and and the archdiocese of these days, so... Right, and for and for those following along in English, to to bookend what Father was saying, so if you're reading in English, it would say, uh, "Govern her throughout the world, uh, together with all true believers and professors of of the Catholic and Apostolic faith." And Father, as you were as you were saying that about times past, I can't help but be a little bit sad because normally we think of unicum as this sort of doctrinal issue, and this is how it is, and you know we're not going to have any truck with heretics. But this right. sometimes can obscure the fact that this is, it's an immense sadness to think that we cannot be praying. Uh, what, what a beautiful thing when there is a, a Pope reigning gloriously in Rome, to think that 
every time we're offering the Mass, that we're doing it as part of this universal church together with the Pope. Now, it doesn't mean we're not offering a Catholic Mass and, and we're, we're not, we're not uh, offering something pleasing to our Lord, but there's that extra right. element of, you know, sort of a consolation that as, you know, when there is a Pope gloriously reigning, that we're united with him in some way. And, and in a period of, of a vacancy, it's, it's, a, it's a point of sadness. Yeah, it's it's exactly right, you know, and it's, um, you know, as I oftentimes tell people that I would, there's nothing, I would like nothing more than to be able to, to be obedient to, to true hierarchy, you know, to, to a true pope. Uh, I'd be the first to, to kneel and, 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 and pledge my obedience uh, wholeheartedly to a true pope, but uh, we don't live in a time where we're graced by that. And um, and people will oftentimes ask, you know say to me you know oh people who are not on board with with the state of Vicente position they'll say oh you're you're against the the Pope or you don't like the Pope and I tell them that's the furthest thing from the truth the reality is is that I love the papacy so much that I cannot allow someone like Bergoglio to to defile it in the way that he does by by spewing out you know, heresy and, uh, and and blasphemous things. And, you know, that, that man does not hold the same faith as all the popes before him, and I'm not going, I'm going to defend the papacy against people like him. And and that's why, you know, it's, for us as, as Catholics, we cannot take a, a soft position towards the Unicum Mass, because, you know, that is someone who is the archenemy of the Church. He is, he is leading souls away from the faith, and to pray the highest prayer, the highest honor due to God, the holy sacrifice of the Mass itself, where, you know, the, the perfect offering to him, and then try to unite it with, with someone who is totally against Christ, um, what, I mean, what a horrific idea that is. And, and the, you know, for all the lay people, we have to remember that this, you know, as Pope Pius XII says, this is your Mass. You know, this is, you know, the, the priest is the chief offerer of the, of the sacrifice, but it's truly your sacrifice too. And so if he is Unicum and you're, you are participating in that, that means that you are Unicum. And, um, you know, we cannot compromise in that way because it's, you know, it's such a horrific thing, um, the, the attacks that, that these men are, are waging against, against Christ and his church. Yeah, and I, I think all... I think those are all really important points, Father, and I know we're going to uh, be hopefully covering the Unicum topic on a clerical conversation show next season. It is uh, a bit beyond our scope in, in Pastoralia, but I, I think that people who heard what Father had to say owe it to themselves to look a little deeper into this question if they're, if they're opinionist on, on the Unicum question or, or on Sedevacantism in general. My, my, next, my next question is, is geographically close in the Missal uh, Father, if we if we go down just a little bit further, we we get to the the, the first memento, the memento of the living, memento domine famlorum famlorum quaetuarum. So we are mem- remembering at that point, and I suppose at this point, as a priest, this would be where you would insert your intention for the mass. And right. I I've had this question, and I've I've heard it answered in different ways before, but a lot of times when we are praying for people, whether we pray for them in the mass. Or you know we're we're asked to say a, a rosary for somebody who's dying or who may be who's very sick. We will usually ask for who the name is, 
it's not required. You know, sometimes they, it's for an anonymous person or it's for someone who wishes to remain, you know, confidential. Obviously, our Lord, being our Lord, knows everything. Is there right. an is there an efficaciousness or a need or a custom to be specific in our mementos? So for those of us offering Mass behind you, with you, while you're at Mass, uh, is, there, um, is there a need to be specific uh, uh, as a practice? You know, when, should we have a little index card in our missile so that I can you know, yeah. read uh, all the, the, the living and the dead that I need to be praying for? Well, in, when it comes to the, the memento, it's it's important for us to remember that, like anything in the church, and so many things that we see, is avoiding the the two extremes in that way. You know, some people um, are on one extreme where they don't do enough for for souls and for people, and and you know, and and don't think of that enough when it comes to their mass. You know, it's a you have the the, the sacrifice of Christ here. You have the opportunity to be praying. Or for people that uh, that you want to, and so we should be inserting names. We should be mentioning people specifically, especially people who just recently, you know, ask us to pray for them, or for family members who need conversion, or something. You know, people that are close to us, having a few names to, to insert there is, you know, is a great uh, great source of graces for them, and and the most important thing to do. Uh, however, on the other hand. We don't want to turn into, uh, you know, having a litany of names that takes forever. You know, Saint Therese of Lisieux, she used to get, uh, she used to get really nervous about that because so many people were coming to her asking for prayers and to remember them in her in her masses that she had this huge long list, and so eventually she ended up. You know, basically having to say, God, you know who the people are that I'm that I'm intending to pray for, and you know that uh, that those are the people that I'm praying for, and and our Lord was certainly most pleased by that. You know, there's another man that I think of, oftentimes in the and uh, one of our churches, he's almost become known in the in the parish uh, to for this for having this list. He has this big long list of all these intentions and people will put prayer intentions onto his list and because it's too long he just says you know for all those on my list and that's a, a glorious way of doing it uh, as well so you know he has for himself you know a handful of names that he will, will pray for by name and then uh, you know and maybe the most pressing intentions at that time and then outside of that he'll you know, say for all those on my list, or you know, we can, for for us we can say, you know, for all those whom I normally pray for, or for all my benefactors, or all my family, or something like that, and 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 that certain. So we should, you know, find that happy medium in there. Rubrically for the priest, is the you know, this just as a as a, as a point of of comparison. Rubrically for the priest. It usually is stated that it should be about the length of a of a paternoster, so not too long, but definitely something of pause and reflecting upon names to to pray for at the same time. So, uh, you know, I think people should probably kind of use a similar guide in that way. Just have a few names that you want to pray for, and then outside of that, you know, have some groups of of people that you want to pray for as well. Okay. And I said, uh, as you were saying that, Father, I thought about two other cases, and I, I wonder if we would loop them into the same. And I'm thinking about the intention for indulgences and the priest's intention for the Mass. Um, I've seen a, a pious prayer in my missal 
you know, Lord, I, I intend to gain all the indulgences I'm eligible for. And in almost every sacristy in the world, there is a prayer for a priest uh, to say, you know, that I intend to offer this Mass. Um, can you speak a little bit to sort of the perpetual intention of the priest and also our intentions for indulgences and, and do we need to, to have a daily renewal? Uh, I know I'm getting a little bit off track from the Mass, but I want to, while we're talking about intentions and mentioning by name, I want to cover this and then we'll we'll move on. Yeah, well, we should always want to have the intention of gaining however many indulgences we can, whether they're for ourselves or for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, whatever it would would be. Um, in fact, when, for myself personally, my morning offering is is an offering that in it includes uh, the, the the intention, making the intention to gain any indulgences uh, that are throughout the day. And so, you know, we should have that either as part of our morning offering or part of a, a separate prayer that we that we offer every day. Uh, asking God to, to help us to worthily gain those those indulgences because those are great great graces and great uh, you know uh, gifts from God that we are free for the taking for us and we should always want to to, to gain them as as best as possible and with that you know when it comes to like plenary indulgence the, the church always says you know, you know our Father Hail Mary and glory be for the intentions of of the, of the church you know the intention there and and so we should try to make sure that each day we, we offer those those prayers so if we gain in the plenary indulgence that day that we can actually gain it. And so um, you know, I usually end up tucking those at the very end of my rosary just to add on just so I won't forget it. It's actually you know, has no significance other than just for for uh, convenience of, of having it in a place that I consistently do it so I don't forget it. And so I think, you know, those two things are important for everybody to, to remember in that way. And then, you know, for the priest, his, his intentions, you know, some of them are going to always overlap. I mean, most priests are going to pray for every Mass for the those people in there that are entrusted to their care, you know, the people in the, their congregations and things like that. And uh, we're going to pray for our families and we're going to pray for uh, our benefactors and things like that. So, so they're, you know, that... Um, but otherwise, you know, each one of us is also going to have our own intentions that we're adding to both mementos for the living and for the dead. And so, um, you know, and those can vary on different days. So it's, uh, so that's, um, I, does that answer that, those two questions? It does. And it just reminds me, as, as you're talking about that, it's, it's important to get in on this bonanza. I mean, these graces are available for you. There's no reason why, you know, when something good happens in your life that you shouldn't uh, have a Mass said in Thanksgiving or uh, have a Mass said because it's Tuesday and you're a sinner and you need help. Um, uh, you know, when I, whenever I talk about Mass intentions or think about Mass intentions, I, I'm shocked, honestly, at how many Catholics have either never asked a priest to say a Mass for them or, or don't even know what a stipend is. And I know we've touched on that before, but... Um, if this is uh, nothing else, let it be a reminder to people, you know, if you haven't had a mass said for yourself or for someone close to you or for a dead relative uh, lately, that's something you really should do. It's, it's maybe could it be, could it be said to be one of the greatest things we could do on, on this side of heaven uh, for someone? Father? Yeah. I, I can't think of anything greater than, than the Holy sacrifice of the mass for somebody, you know? So, you know, it's always important, you know, you have, uh, you know, someone is, 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 is in need of, you know, really 
important prayers or someone you want to, you know, give someone a special gift and, you know, a mass is the perfect thing to do uh, for for that. And um, and with that, you know, there's no limit to the graces that uh, that God gives in, in the Holy Sacrifice. It's a, an infinite wellspring of grace, so... Well, with that, Father, I want to take an opportunity to, to pivot and transition to our, our main topic today, which is confession. Thank you for, for answering those questions. I recently heard a, a Bishop Sanborn conference. I think it was an oldie but a goodie um, from the uh, from the MHT Seminary uh, sermon stream, and it was about okay. raising teenagers. And Bishop Sanborn mentioned in there that you know parents have this responsibility you know for their children's spiritual life. That's that's obvious. But he mentioned in there that it's important to make sure that children are going to confession and communion regularly. And I suppose this is yes. quite easy when you're eight or nine. You just push them towards the box and say, "Get in there," uh, because uh, that's how it is. And then you know you'll hear the litany of you know I, I hit my brother, etc. I think this obviously yes. becomes a bit more nuanced and sensitive as we as we move into 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. And how does a parent deal with that uh, line of, okay, I'm the spiritual guardian of my child, but I, I have to be careful that I'm not so burdening my child that they feel, con- they feel to uh, the need to c- communicate unworthily because they don't want to deal with, with me later. Hopefully they would never do that, God forbid, but uh, that as a parent, they need to still be the watch guard of their children's spiritual life, but at the same time, they have to be patient and let the child, you know, come on to confession on their own. So can you speak a bit about, and I understand it's it's a landmine, a minefield, sorry, but uh, that's what you're here for, Father. You're here to negotiate the minefields for us. Yes, exactly. Um, Yes, so, you know, Parents are the um, um, parents are the, the the guardians of their kids' spiritual life, obviously, and they and you know a lot of what, what a lot of what uh, you you talk about the concerns there um, can be helped by parents learning to to create those good habits and things um, early on, you know that. Uh, you know, don't don't wait until they're 15 years old to try to get them to go regularly to uh, the sacrifice of uh, a sacrament of penance. You know that uh, that you know build up those 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 good uh, those good uh, uh, practices nice and early. They they realize the importance of it and everything uh, along those lines. And um, but you know with that, you know teenagers being what they are and. Uh, teenagers and, and you know early twenties, but uh, that uh, you have to realize that you, you you need to make sure that they are getting to the sacraments, but um, but not being uh, so overbearing on it that uh, that you're going to to push them away. So, for instance, you know um, that that they should go to confession needs to be. Uh, you know, concern of yours, you know, that they, you know, to, you, that you allow them to, you know, that you encourage them and allow them to make time for, you know, making a good examination of conscience and, um, and that they uh, are, are, you allow them to, you know, you make sure that they get to church in time to get to the confession and things like that. And, 
and, and encouraging them to do so um, fairly regularly. Um, that uh, that you that you make that available, but at the same time, you don't want to be, you know, a parent doesn't want to be asking them what they said in confession. You know, don't. That's going to make a a child. Um, that's going to create bad habits or bad, you know, or temptations towards uh, bad processes for the sacrament. You know, or you know, it's, uh, you don't want them. Uh, if you, you know, try try to you want them to have the faith be their own and then that they know that you know that that the confession is is just for that we're all sinners we all sin and so therefore we all confess and you know it's between you and god you know through the the, the vessel of the priest and so uh and that's okay and so because the, the parent doesn't know exactly what was said in the box that's that's perfectly appropriate and fine and same thing if they see their child for some reason, not going to communion, you know, a few times in a row, um, and they suspect that it's possibly because they haven't gone to confession. Um, you know, don't don't come out and say, you know, what's keeping you from going to communion? Just say, do you need to get? Do you need to go to confession? Do you? Do you, you know, we can. Let's. I noticed you weren't going to communion, so if you need to go to confession, then let's let's get you there. And you know, trying to to really make sure that you're guiding them in that, that right direction to to do the, their spiritual duties and do them well and to, to gain graces um, in that way. Well, and I was going to say they should probably have that conversation with them in private as opposed to in front of their nine other siblings. You know, to yeah. pass the milk and and you know, Father McKenna, why you know why didn't you go to communion this morning? You know, it's not the uh, not the uh, breakfast conversation we all hope for, right? Right, and 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 if you if you see your child miss like communion once or twice, then you know, then that's that's one thing. I mean, you let them. Perhaps they weren't able to get to the confession line, or perhaps they, you know, had a drink of milk within the fast time and they forgot about it. You know, and nothing you want to do is accuse them of being horrible sinners when in reality they just messed up on their fast or something as well. So it's. Um, you know, we always want to give the benefit of the doubt to start off, but if you see it, you know, a couple, three times in a row that they're consistently missing, okay, do you need to go to confession? Do you, you know, we can make sure that you get there in time on Saturday to to do so, or Sunday morning early to to, to go, um, and uh, and make sure. Or if we well, I, can be, can I can, can I push you a bit on that, Father? Because I, you know, the the um, I accidentally had some bacon is maybe going to get you out of it like once or twice but by the you know the third or the fourth time you're not going to be able to throw the uh i forgot to fast excuse out so i think the the question then becomes um how far can i go as a parent uh or how far should i go before i start to put someone into a position where you know they're because the parent's not a priest right you're not the the child is not a you know uh, supposed to or obliged to confess the sins to the parent, right? Uh, but right. the parent, as you say, is trying to probe and say, "Do you need to get to confession?" You know, perhaps the you know the child is is not going to say yes or no. Say, well, you know, uh, yes, I I probably should go to confession. And then the parent drives the child there, you know, for confession is waiting there, and then the child doesn't go to confession for whatever reason. There is mm-hmm. not a either perhaps there's not contrition, there's some 
there's some uh, block, some something that's in the way. How, do we yeah. want to be in that situation where you're like, oh, you need to go to confession? I'll drive you. And you come there and you sit and you wait outside the box. Or, or then there's a charade of the person goes into the box and uh, father, uh, you know, my, my father is here making me go to confession, but I don't, I can't go to confession today for X, Y, and Z reasons. Uh, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. ever happened to you, but I can see that happening. And, and again, I'm not saying that this sort of situation happens a lot. I'm just trying to make sure that I, I was really yeah. touched by that <laughs> sermon and that idea of, you know, yeah. what are parents, you know, what's our parents' responsibility and where does it end where you leave it and it's in our Lord's hands? Right. Well, and that's the thing. You have to... Um you have to have to care for your children's souls. So if it means making them a little uncomfortable to get them to go by saying, you know, I haven't, I've noticed you haven't gone um, to confession or communion recently, you, you know, you should really go. Next time we're there and there's confessions going on, you should, you know, you need to be it, you should go. Um, you know, just to, to cause that little bit of uncomfortableness to push them in the right direction is okay. I mean, that's, you know, that's part of the duty of doing the right thing as, as a parent. Um, but, you know, if it really becomes a, a an issue that you're, you're constantly battling this thing and you're starting to think, gee, you know, I think they're kind of just going in the box because, uh, you know, I'm really, you know, almost forcing them to do so and they're not going on their own and things like that, then at that point, you know, perhaps it's time to 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 talk to the priest and say, can you, can you talk with, you know, little Johnny or little Susie uh, to, about this? This is what's, what's going on. Not in an overbearing way, once again, but just as a, you know, uh, I'm consistently noticing that he's not going to confession until, you know, for, until I basically almost force him to go. And so therefore, um, you know, can you try to figure out what's what's wrong there and help him? And then the priest can pull him aside and, and talk to him a little bit. So, you know, to use the tools that you have at your hand. I mean, don't, you know, if if your son or daughter misses one communion, don't immediately call up the priest and say, you know, you need to have a meeting every single time my kid doesn't go to communion or something like that. But, you know, like I said, if it becomes a, a consistent issue, um, then perhaps it is something that, you know, a little push in the right direction from, from clergy. And, and then the other part of it is as parents need to remember that, you know, the, the first line of defense is going to be their prayers. And, uh, um, that they need to be diligent in praying and sacrificing for their kids, and uh, and also that these habits, these good practices of piety, are oftentimes founded and built up from from the early ages of youth. So, um, you know, don't don't uh, don't waste those early years where you're building up those good habits of, of piety. Um, you know, don't miss those opportunities because when they're getting older. And now all of a sudden you try to guide them in the right direction. It's much harder than if you started when they were, you know, little little tiny kids. Well, and and this gets us to the heart of of the the point today, Father. As I said, that confession I think is neglected or underappreciated. And, and to what your point about habits, if it's your family habit to go to confession once a month as a family or once a week or however often you do it, then there isn't really a space for sin to to get hold and hold you down and say, ha, I've got you in mm-hmm. weeks until your next confession. The, that, that sense right. of, well, my family, we, our family goes to confession every week. That's what I've been doing since I was eight years old, since I started receiving communion. So that's what I do. And, and, ha- and that idea of confession as preventative maintenance, you know, maybe I don't have this drastic sin to confess, 
but that means that I get to work on, you know, other problems that I have, things that, once, you know, once you wiped away the, the grime, then you get to work on polishing, right? Right. That, uh, yes. That idea of, you know, what, what really is confession? How often should we be going? What should be our attitude? Because I feel like a lot of us, uh, a lot of us Catholics don't have the right attitude. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's a loaded, you know, big chunk of question there. But um, I guess I could try to take it uh, from the beginning of that, you know, of, uh, of, of confession uh, in general. How often should people go? I guess that's a good place to, to start with that. And, um, and for us, we have to realize that, once again, like we talked about with the, with the Mass, we have to avoid the two extremes. So um, on the one hand, you know, we don't want to be neglectful of going to confession. You know, the, the church requires us uh, to go at least once a year to, to, to go to confession. So, uh, you know, we're, we're absolutely mandated by Holy Mother of the Church to do that. But we should in no way think that that's all we have to do. That's a, you know, we're very neglectful of our, of our souls if we're only going once a year uh, unless you know, we live in some place where there's you know, almost no opportunity to get to, to the sacraments. So uh, to think we, can only, we should only go once a year is, is totally the wrong thought process. But to think that we need to go you know, all the time is also the other ex- extreme, you know. That's um, you know, up until about a hundred years ago, the, that the it was a very common practice of people that they would go every time they wanted to go to communion, they would go to confession before going, and it was you know very much tied in with with that Jansenism approach, that uh, you know extreme scrupulosity um, towards towards and that, and thinking that even the slightest fault was an unworthy confession, and it took you know Saint Pius the Tenth to come and kind of balance that all out again. And and that's when he, what he said was that people who attend Sunday Mass, you know, every week should go at least once a month uh, to confession. And so that's a, you know, a good guideline there that we should have a minimum of once a month going to the sacrament of, of penance there. Um, you know, so that for people who for whatever reason, maybe they're of older age or something like that, you know, or maybe they struggle with a lax conscience or whatever it may be, and they think to themselves, well, I don't have, you know, any serious sins, so I don't need to go. And they keep deferring it off for long periods of time without going to confession. That's not an attitude that is, is becoming of a Catholic, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, the, the lax attitude towards the sacrament. They should, they should go confess venial sins as the, as the scriptures say, the just man falls seven times in a day. So there are faults and failings that we have and, uh, you know, and, and venial sins that we commit, um, that we should, you know, go and confess those if we, if we don't have, you know, a mortal sin on our soul, that's okay. We can still confess venial sins or we should confess, you know, sins of the past to uh, renew our our sorrow for sin in those things, um, to, to gain the sacramental graces from it. However, on the other hand, um, you know, we don't want to go to the other extreme where we're just, we're, we're back in that Jansenistic mentality where we have to go all the time to confession because something that we run into often is you might be at a, a chapel where there's, um, 
you know, a lot of, you, you're the only, if I'm at a chapel, I'm the only priest there, and there's a huge line for confession. And there might be teen adults in that line that, you know, really need to go to confession. And you will get 10 little kids in a row who, yes, it's good to have, them have good habits of, of going to confession, but at the same time, if it means that you know a bunch of adults are going to get cut off, then you know it's okay for them to wait till a second week from now, and you know to have that charity, or for anybody for that matter. If you know that you'd like to go to confession, and it was a week or two ago that you would last gone, and there's a huge alignment for the confession, and you think, well, I don't have any mortal sins on my soul, you know, I can wait one extra week. And or I can, you know, try to ask to go after mass, or uh, you know, or set or go at a different opportunity. You know, the confession schedule something with Father or whatever it is. Um, then you know, to, to act in charity and let other people who either come from a distance or you know might really have to go to in order to receive communion or something to to go to the confession at that time um, is always something we should keep in mind for that. So. Finding that balance, yes, we we want to go and go often to confession, you know, and um, it's good for our souls, it's good for our spiritual guidance, but we shouldn't forget that uh, the charity has to be measured in there too at times, you know. And if you're at a place where you're where you're if you're fortunate and you and you are at a place where confession is readily available often, you know, think of St. Gertrude's, you know, if if you miss out on confession at St. Gertrude's. Um, you know, for more than a week or two, uh, and you really haven't tried hard enough. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's there's so many times for confession available here that uh, then, you know, you, you are fortunate enough and you can, you know, build up more frequent confessions than, say, someone who only has a priest come in on Sunday alone and has to hear, you know, everybody's confession that's there before Mass on Sunday. And so... Um, you know, it takes a little give and take of everybody. But people that have venial sins should remember, and they should. Everybody should teach their kids this too. It's important to remember that um, you know sacramentals and a good reception of the Blessed Sacrament, uh, they all take away venial sin. So if someone only has venial sin on their soul, and um, and there is a long line, and they realize, well, it's probably better if I let someone else go this, let these people go this week, and I'll go next opportunity I have, because I don't have a mortal sin. Well, by making a good communion that day, you remove the, all the venial sins from your soul, or, you know, by uh, using holy water or other sacramentals, you remove the venial sins from your soul. So, you know, and you should teach your children that uh, because that's important. They can remove the venial sins from their soul every single day by uh, by by doing those things. And uh, and so, you know, we want to build up the good practices of going to confession in our kids, but we also um, we also want to remember the needs of of those around us as well. So, you know, Father when when you're talking about that idea of, of venial sins and, and what I'm confessing, I'm thinking to myself that uh, we don't often, because obviously you have the seal of confession, so we can't exactly post-game with you and say, you know, Father, how did confession go today? You know, you know what, did, what did you hear? What, what, what was going on in, in line today? Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I think what we can do that doesn't break the seal of confession that will help us make better confessions is to ask you, I wouldn't call them gripes, but what could we improve 
to make better confessions? What, 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 what always leads to long series of questions for you? Uh, I, I call yeah. these un, unprepared confessions uh, or, um, you know, just show up confessions. And the idea of confession doesn't start when, uh, when you get into the box or even when you're in line. Hopefully it starts when you're driving to church or getting to church or even when you're at home getting prepared to come, that the process has already started, that it's not something you're discovering uh, as Father right. tells you um, how long has it been. Right, exactly. Well, I think, I think that's really important for people to remember. I mean, if, if for kids, if they have a test in school, they're not going to just show up. They're going to study for their test and prepare for it. You know, adults, if they have a presentation for, for work or something like that, they're not going to just, you know, wing it off the top of their head. They're going to prepare for it and get ready for it and, and do a good job with it. Well, um, even more so for a confession, we should take some time and make a good examination. And really, we should make a good examination every single day. We should make that a habit with our daily prayers to make an examination of conscience. What did I do today that uh, was not really the greatest thing for me to do? What sins did I commit? What uh, um, what what areas did I fall short? What areas did I should I have done more in? Uh, and to make a you know to a, a, a little examination of conscience in in the day is a very important practice and habit to, to get into for ourselves because it allows us to be better at making our examination come time for the sacrament of penance. And and in general, that, that need to prepare for penance, the sacrament is, is greater than any, you know, presentation we could give at work or, or uh, any kind of... Um, the, uh, of tests we study for, it's you know it, our our immortal souls are 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 the what is online there, and so so it's important to take that time, make that good examination and preparation, not being you know not being overly fussy. We don't want to take you know an hour trying to examine our conscience, but um, unless, you know, it's something, a situation that's, you know, it's been a year since I've been to confession. Okay, well, I'm going to take a little more time at that point. But otherwise, you know, it's, you know, we don't need to take this huge amount of, take a little bit of time and, and have some quiet and some prayerful time there and ask uh, to be able to, to make a good examination uh, of our consciences. And, um, and when it comes to people messing up, yeah, that's one area that uh, that they make a mistake, that they come in there and they're kind of trying to, you can tell, not hard for the priest to tell that, you know, the person basically just walked in cold off the street and now is trying to recall to mind sins that they've committed. And uh, it holds up the line, it holds up, you know, the process of things that, you know, leaves us kind of waiting to hear what's next. And, um and it leaves the door open that you're going to forget something important. Um, so take the time and make a good examination. Um, another thing that um, that often comes up as a, an area that is uh, sometimes forgotten or, you know, that mistakes are made and we have to start asking questions and things is people not putting a number or a kind to their mortal sins. So, you know, you come in and you say um, that you committed such and such mortal sin, but you don't tell me once or five times or or whatever it was, 
then you know that now I have to stop you and say to you, oh, how many times did you did you do that that sin? Because you need to enumerate the mortal sins that you have, and so people oftentimes will not uh, will not do that, and uh, or they'll be very vague. Um, that's another really common thing, especially when it comes to like, the sins of a more sensitive nature. So sixth and ninth commandment. People oftentimes are, are very vague, but you know, no, I need to know. You know, are you single? Are you married? What you, you know, what's your state in life? Did you commit this sin by yourself or with another person? Did uh, how many times did you do it? And you know, and, and a general idea of what the you know uh, I, what the sin was. I don't need um, uh, you don't don't go into especially with the sixth and ninth a long detailed. Uh, description of what happened because you know that's not what I'm here for. But I need to know what the sin was. That uh, so you have to be specific enough, but at the same time not going into such great detail that um, that it's improper for the confessional or uh, or you know God forbid even could lead to causing temptation. But uh, for the for the priest or for the, for the, conf- the one confessing the sin. Um, so you know, it's, uh, it ha- but it has to be specific so that the priest at least knows what was done. And then, you know, also the, those vague areas sometimes cover for, for theft. You know, someone might come in and say, hey, Father, I stole. Well, you, there's a long range of stealing. You know, you could have stolen a piece of bubble gum from your brother, or you could have stolen a car. And those are two totally different worlds, so you need to say, you know, I stole this, or I stole something the value of this, and um, and so the priest knows whether it's a, a, a grave theft or or something smaller. And then um, and then you know, and then also dishonesty is another one. You know, Father, I told a lie. Well, you know, once again, it could be you told a little white lie. You know, that, you know, someone says, "Does this dress look nice on me?" And you tell them. Uh, yes, it's, you know, you look just absolutely stunning in that dress, and in reality, it's like bunched up in the back or something. Uh, <laughs> when you could have, you know, nicely said, "No, you need to pull the back down; it's bunched up." Um, and you Father, let them go out. Father, you ever have to deal with those questions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it's, uh, um, but you know, and the, but the other thing is, like, someone could say, "Oh, I, Father, I lied," and and they they lied about, uh, you know, something really. Grievous, you know, something along the lines of, uh, you know, I I lied uh, and it, you know that I had done something at work and tell, and so I told them that someone else did it and they lost their job because of it. So you can't to say I lied does not does not cover that. So we have to be uh, have number for it and we have to be specific enough that the priest knows what you did in those things for for all mortal sins. Um, let's see. Uh, another area that um, that people oftentimes mess up, and this has to do with going back to the parents' idea, is, you know, parents, you need to train your kids how to make a confession and, uh, you know, in regards to that. And realize that, um, that with that, you know, most sins done by kids while sometimes very frustrating to to parents, um, most sins are are not mortal. It re, you know for for small, small small kids, and so we have to realize that that in that way we don't a we don't want to create a scrupulous mind 
in the children. Um, so, you know, we don't want to be too lax, but that is, you know, covered by making sure your kids do a good examination of conscience. But you don't want them to be, you don't want to instill scruples into them thinking that every time they, like, they hit their brother or sister or every time they, uh, you know, tell a little fib or something like that, they've sinned some, in some mortal way. Um, so, and when they come, um, to, so when they come to confession, know that they don't have to, um, they, they make sure that they know that they don't just throw some random number at it. Kids will always say like, oh, I hit my brother, you know, a thousand times or a million times. And it's like, you know, sometimes I'll stop a child and say, uh, you know that if, if you did that, that means that you were hitting your child, your, your, your brother or your sister without ever sleeping, right? And, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, and they realize, oh, okay, we don't want them to throw out random, ridiculous numbers. Um, if they have a mortal sin, then they should put a number to it, but an accurate number. So if they did something that was really bad, then they should put some sort of number to it. But if it's a venial sin, first off, they don't need to necessarily put numbers to a venial sin. And and secondly, if they are going to put a number to it, then, you know, if they know that they hit their brother three times in the week, then they should say three times. Don't no, They should not say, you know, a zillion times. And... Um, so, so make sure when you're helping your kids develop that good practice of, of doing examination of conscience that you express that and get them to understand that need that, that, that if they're going to put a number to, to sin, that they need to put a, a true number um, and not uh, you know, some made-up number. And if that means they need to say, I did it three times in a week, then that's what they say. You know? uh, um, so it's... Uh, so that's a, a, another area of mistake. Um, uh, boy, I could go on and on for mistakes uh, for confessions. Um, but some of the more common ones that are, really need to be addressed, probably also included in there, is uh, volume of voice. People, some people will be so soft that the priest cannot hear them, I'm and that sorry, does no good. I have. I'm sorry, Father. I can't hear you. If I talk really quiet, then nobody will know who I am. And um, yes. maybe, maybe father, maybe father won't hear anything, and he won't touch me. Exactly. And so, if the you know, you I have to hear what you you know. You have to remember the priest is there to judge. Um, you know, our Lord said, you know, whatever sins you shall forgive, they shall be forgiven. Whatever sins you shall retain, they shall be retained. Well. In order for me to forgive or to retain, to make that judgment, I have to actually hear what you did. <laughs> so, you know, I can't make a judgment on something that I have no idea what you're saying. But on the flip side of it, there are other people, whether they're just hard of hearing, and if you're hard of hearing, just remember that you're hard of hearing, or, you know, for whatever reason, just not thinking of where they are, will shout. And then now everybody in the line knows what you did as well. And you don't want to put people in that kind of predicament either. So, you know, try to have a quiet tone, but a tone that is able to be heard by the priest on, in, in the confessional. Um, and uh, you know, not to go on too, too long, but lastly, I would say, um, you know, is the 
the people coming in and trying to justify themselves or confessing, you know, uh, other people's sins that made them sin, if you will. So, you know, people sometimes will come in and, and say, you know, that, uh, oh, I, Father, forgive me, I, I got angry, but, um, but you know, in reality, I, 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 you know, I, it wasn't that bad if you knew the circumstances, because the circumstance really, you, you, uh, if you knew Susie and how much she likes to push my buttons, then you would have gotten angry too, Father. You know, don't try to justify yourself. Sin is an ugly thing, and just say it as it is, um, because you're not in, you know, the priest is in there to judge. Uh, he's he is to make the, that judgment. It's like a trial. The priest is the judge. Um, that's why he, he's he's seated. That is a, a position of of judging. That's why it's not just because he's going to be in there for a while and he needs to be comfortable, but it's because he uh, he is seated in that position of judgment. And um, and you are not the defense attorney. You are the prosecution. You are there to accuse yourself of sin. There is no defense. It is only accusation. And so you need to be, be honest and, and, and recognize sin for what it is, which is offense against God, and accuse yourself of it. And then it's by accusing yourself that, that, uh, that you are going to obtain the forgiveness from God for it. So, uh, well, so on, you know, are you sure telling not... me if, I, if I'm confessing correctly that I'm supposed to feel bad in confession? <laughs> Yeah, it's not the place for warm and fuzzy feelings. You know, it's uh, no. This is yeah. This is where you're you're saying, I am a sinner. You know, you're humiliating yourself, humbling yourself, and saying, I'm I offended God, and I'm going to admit to it because it's only by admitting to it and saying to God that I am sorry for doing exactly what I did that He's going to give me the forgiveness that I need. And so, um. And so we we accuse ourselves of our sins, and uh, and like I said, not uh, not trying to justify ourselves, and not confessing, you know, someone else's. You know, does the uh, I forget which saint, but the you know the 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 story of the saint who was hearing confessions, and um, and the wife came in and confessed her, you know, made her confession, but in it listed all her husband's sins as well. But, and, uh, and, and so the, the, they said, you know, for your, for your penance, uh, you know, you will have, you know, five Hail Marys, but for your father, for your husband's penance, you need to say, you know, an entire rosary. And so, it's, you know, it's, you know, if you don't confess someone else's sins, unless you want to take their penance. Um, so it's, you're there to confess your, your own sins and your own sins alone. And, uh, you know, and the, uh, and it's only that way that we can we can grow and, and, and get better in, in the spiritual life. So very important yeah. to. So those are some basic mess up areas. I'm sure there's plenty more, but uh, and we could do it. We could probably do a whole blooper show on that, uh, Father, just to to, <laughs> to, to 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 cover all of the the different ways that. But I think, as you said, we we can always improve uh, the way that we're confessing and uh, and what and. Um, what we're bringing to the table in terms of confession. As I say, I think it's neglected. I think that we can always use some improvement. Um, as a reminder to our listeners, uh, I'm Stephen, Ho- uh, Stephen Heiner, and I'm joined, uh, I'm Stephen Heiner, your host, and I'm joined by uh, Father Stephen McKenna. And today on Posturalia, we've been discussing, in the first part of our episode, we were discussing 
some uh, bits about the mass, about uh, what, where we uh, omit unakum and, uh, and talking about intentions at mass. And we transitioned to talking about confession, um, what should be our habits, how we should do it, uh, what should be the attitude of parents towards children who are not going to confession or going to communion. And I want to pick up on something that you said a little earlier, uh, Father. Uh, sometimes people can only get to a confession on Sunday. Let's say they're at a mission chapel. I know you've got a, a big group up there, a growing group up in North Dakota, in, in, which will be very warm very soon, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get cold just saying the, the words North Dakota. But yeah, um, both Minnesota. It's it's bad when you when you're in Minnesota and you think, oh boy, it's going to get real cold when I drive up to North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we love you, people of North Dakota. It's, it, but you know, we admire your bravery dealing dealing with the cold. But uh, you know, Father, the people up there they get they get confession whenever you're there. They they don't live at St. Gertrude. Now, I'm obviously going to use this as a as a shameless plug for relocationism. To say, look, if yep. you're in that situation, get yourself, if it's all possible, consider moving to a place where you're going to have confession more regularly. But that's not always possible. And indeed, sometimes there are going to be people that, that are out in the wilderness, be it priests or, or laymen, who don't have access to a priest for long stretches at a time. So we heard you say earlier, you know, we can't attend an, uh, an Unaku Mass. That's just out of the question. Can we go to confession with an unicum priest? Yeah, so that's a, that's an interesting question. Can you go to a confession with an unicum priest? So, um, you know, if there is a need for it, then yes. Now, if you live in a place that is near uh, where you can go to a confession regularly, say if you live near Cincinnati or, you know, Detroit or something like that, then, you know, no, only go to the sacraments to to your own priests and those who are who are truly in line with Catholic thought with you and are uh, uh, are you know that are going to give you that solid advice in that way. But um, if uh, for some reason you live out uh, in a place that's really hard to get to confession um, to uh, a, a non-unicum priest regularly at all. Um, then and there was happened to be say an unicum priest like a SSPX priest or something in town. Uh, then you're not obliged to, but if if you can make sure that there's no scandal given um, by you going there, well, then you are permitted to go to confession to them because you know the, that confession is not being prayed uh, in union with. Uh, some sort of heretic like like the mass. You know, the mass is a totally different thing. That's you know, you're you're uniting yourself to people who are against the faith, and so we once again, you know, like I said at the beginning, we cannot compromise in that way. Um, but if it's confession, it's uh, it is purely there for the, the forgiveness of sins, and in times of necessity, we can we can avail ourselves from the, that sacrament from them. Um, but once again, you know, knowing and being conscious of the fact that we have to be careful, uh, first off, that the that, that scandal is not given, that, you know, if uh, if our fellow, you know, Catholics that go with us to the Mass when it is available see us going into the SSPX chapel, um, you know, that could be something scandalous. So as long as we're careful about that. And, um, and then also realizing that 
when you have people with, with uh, a, a, a twisted thought process and an un-Catholic thought on, on certain areas, that we have to be careful that sometimes the advice that might be given might be a little off base too. And so we have to um, be really cautious. And if we, you know, and so it's not something that should be a normal practice, but only something that we, if we needed it, you know, we, if there's some sort of necessity that we should avail ourselves of um, in that case. So, um, so that's, uh, you know, as a, you know, overall, yes, it's it's permissible, but but with that, those warnings of, um, first off, don't make it habitual. Secondly, don't um, you know, don't let any scandal be given by you going there. And thirdly, be careful um, because they might give you bad advice due to the fact that their thinking in terms of the church is already um, off from where it's supposed to be. So, Father, I was hoping maybe you could pull back the the curtain or, or maybe slide the screen back a little bit and give us an insight uh, into to your confessions, not obviously tell us your confessions, but the idea, you know, for priests, you're talking about people being isolated. People forget that priests yeah. have to get to confession as well. You know, you're not protected right. by, by impeccability. So um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, do you find uh as someone who I, I'm thinking of this in terms of the the chef who goes out to dinner, right? What what what's going through their mind? As someone who hears confessions, do you feel that 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 really helps you focus when you are going to confession or are you prepping for confession? Um, you know, I, I I just feel it must be completely different from when you are a lay person going to confession as as opposed to now when you're a priest and and how conscious you are of so many different things. Um, yes and no. I mean, really, when, I mean, for anybody, whether you're a priest or, or a layman, to go to confession is to, to go to confession. You know what your sins are, um, and you know that you've offended God in that way, um, and, and you need to, to, to make, make right with, with him, so you get yourself there. I mean, our confessions aren't really any different than, than anybody else's other than the fact that, um, you know, sometimes we are responsible for more things. So, you know, um, you know, if I give, if I were, you know, I have to be conscious of the way I handle myself as a cleric and the way, you know, I, I could do something that for normal people might not be, be wrong, but if it was, you know, viewed someone as, as a cleric, as clergy, then, well, now it doesn't seem all that right anymore because, you know, I can. Uh, I'm wearing a collar, and so I have to be be careful of those type of things, not to give scandal or you know, or anything like that. But also, um, but otherwise, you know, we confess our sins just like anybody else. And um, you know, when we're when we have the opportunity to uh, to to be around another priest, then we try to avail ourselves of the opportunity to confess our sins when we need to, and uh, uh, which may or may not, you know, is depending on each priest's situation is is either, you know, it can be difficult or 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 less difficult depending on where we are. You know, it's um, um how often we're around other clergy. And um but, you know, we, we confess our, our sin the same way. Um you know, I mean one little aside to it is that um the person hearing the confession 
would you know need to know that we are a priest. Whether you know if I'm if I'm giving my confession in their office, then they're going to know because they can see me, and you know, and then you know I think that's you know that 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 other part. You know, sometimes priests are just going to hear each other's confession in the, in the, an office or. Um, you know, well, yeah, I, I don't think I'm ever going to see a priest waiting in line, Father, for, for, for yeah, the confession. Yeah, and that's, and, that's, and that's okay. In fact, you know, the only thing that the, the, the church law says is that, that need to be in the confessional is, is, is actually women. You know, they need to be in confessional for obvious reasons. You know, if you have a male priest and, and a lady uh, confessing their sins, unless, you know, uh, unless there's a true necessity, like if you're at one of these house chapels and, and things like that, then you have to make do with what you have. But uh, but otherwise, you know, at all, you know, at all opportunity to have a, a proper confession area uh, for a lady, and, you know, church wants us to do that. But otherwise, you know, if a, you know, if a man were to come by and stop by the office and say, Father, do you have time to hear a confession? You know, it's okay for me to hear their confession in my office or something like that too. So it's, um, you know, just so people don't think if you know if you ended up stopping by and the priest. Had a you know, if you're a gentleman and you came researched your confession and confession in the office, it's not anything wrong with that. It's just, uh, but oftentimes priests are for sure are that way because, like you said, you don't usually see the priest waiting in line out with everybody else. It's usually well, you know, membership does uh, have its privileges, Father. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but um, but you know, other than that, the you know the the the, confess- the person hearing the confession should know that we're clergy because for two reasons. One, their advice is going to be geared towards us in that way, um, uh, depending on you know, that we are clergy. And secondly, is that in the actual rite of absolution, there's one word that is, a- is added, and that is for, you know, the forgiveness of, from any suspensions incurred. You know, you can only be suspended uh, by, you know, uh, if you uh, are clergy in the in the eyes of the church so we uh, we add you know for, for suspensions uh into the you know the uh absolution but otherwise our our confessions are very similar to everybody else's and usually equally um you know equally uh forgettable by by any other <laughs> well, and, and, and this is why, you know, people listen to Foster Alley. Father, we found out today that a bishop says uh, something extra, you know, at Mass, and we find out that uh, a priest hears something a little extra in confession. These are the little nuggets uh, that, that, that uh, really add on to what we're doing here at Pastoralia. Exactly, um, yeah. <laughs> I want to remind our listeners that Pastoralia is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. Permission can usually be easily obtained by writing to mail, M-A-I-L, at truerestoration.org. Um, Father, if you're a priest and you're, you're asking for confession, this begs the, the larger question, which is, you know, well, well won't that mean that uh, Father knows who I am? And it won't be secret <laughs> anymore. And, you know, I, I, have to, I have to say that I was cured of this worry a long time ago. I, when I was 14, I was with the Norbertines, and they did a very, very good job of hammering home that you need to not care about that, that that is yeah. your issue. Father doesn't care. He really doesn't. And, and, uh, and it was painted to us, like, why do you think you're so important that Father needs to keep, mm-hmm. like, you think Father has a notebook? Like, okay, oh, it's Stephen. Right. Well, let me, let me flip to Stephen's page. Again, again, 
Stephen, I thought we talked about this uh, two weeks ago. You know, what is yeah. Um So what if Father knows who I am? Uh, how, how can I go? Because uh, I, I will sometimes give counsel to people, etc. Uh, well, why don't you just ask Father to go uh, to confession after Mass? So like, well, then Father will know who I am. And I just think this is one of the funniest things anyone could ever say to anyone as a Catholic. Like, who cares? And and Father, am yeah. I being too am I being too glib or too hard on those people? Do those people have a legitimate concern? Well, I mean, no. Ultimately, the the sacrament comes before all else, and and for people to understand, you know, that um, you know, for us confessions, you know, we hear literally thousands of confessions. You know, um, you know, it might be a weekend, and I might hear. 120 confessions in that weekend or something like that. You know, you really have to do something really uh, out there for it to be able to stick out in that, that pile of 120 confessions. You know, that's... Uh, <laughs> so, the, I mean, that's the first part to, to remember. Secondly, is that, um, you know, that our whole purpose for being there is to forgive sins. I mean, we're not expecting you to come to the confessional and tell us that you're perfect. We're expecting you to come and tell us that you've committed sin. That's why it's there. That's why the, God created the sacrament. I mean, we're, you know, our the best way to put it is our mentality of confession is is not one to be like, you know, to be sitting there and going, you did what? You know, but to, <laughs> to have a mentality of of the father to the prodigal son, you know. Yeah, you've fallen away, but you've come back. And what a glorious thing that is! You're 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 restoring grace to your soul, and um, and really, you know, that's why we're there, and that's there's no greater thing other than to to help people to live a life of grace, and so, you know, so that's um, that's our mentality in there, and then, you know, really, you know, confessions for the most part kind of blend together, and you know, so and so did, you know, did this X, Y, and Z. Well, the next five people probably did some sort of different version of X, Y, and Z as well. And that's, you know, that's okay. It's, you know, it's, um, and, um, you know, it's it's literally impossible to surprise us with something. You know, someone could walk in and say, you know, I killed somebody and I have a family on the side. And I say, okay, that's bad. Uh, anything else <laughs> you're like yeah, yeah yeah so what it's tuesday <laughs> <laughs> and so uh you know and it's you know and it's not that we don't take it seriously obviously but it's um but it's something that you know really it does not take long and that you know every priest learns this very quickly it does not take long till you realize you kind of look at it and say yeah i've heard just about everything you know and um uh it's the it's the nature of fallen it's fallen human nature, and you know, a prime example of it. Um, so for us, it's you know, and we really don't remember the, those things. You know, we might recognize your voice when you're in there or something like that, but you know, after the fact, I'm not going to really remember anything. Not that I can't talk, not that I could ever talk about it or act upon it, anyways. But I'm not going to remember anything you you did. Um, you know, we we oftentimes talk about as priests, but you know that it gets filed differently in our brain. That's the best way for us to put it. Is, uh, it goes into a separate file, the things of the confession, like the things never to be thought of, you know, anymore. And, uh, and you know, and for us, it sits in that, that back file cabinet. And so when I walk out of the confession, maybe I did recognize your voice before. Um, not that I recognize everybody's voices because 
no face usually there to, to put it with. But even if I did recognize your voice, I'm not thinking of what you did and told me in the confessional. I'm walking out and I'm seeing you all over again because that thing's filed away in my brain somewhere in the back that I, that, you know, and you, we have to, you know, something we have to compartmentalize because um, that's how we maintain the seal and, and so so faithfully maintain the seal is that we have a separate file for it that we just don't access. And so when I see you, that, that file doesn't get opened up all over again. It's it's in those those confessional files, and I really don't, you know, none of us really ever think about it. So it's, uh, um, you know, the grace of forgetting. It's it's really a, you know, perhaps it comes with the state of, of the priesthood for, for the right of confession. That it, you know, it's true. We really do forget just about every single thing that we hear. And uh, and so it's, um, you know, so people don't have to worry about that. We're not going to change the way we act around you. We're not going to bring it up to you, obviously, outside of confession. We're not going to, um, we're not there to sh- shout and scream at you. Sometimes we might have to be firm to get, you know, the advice through your head if, if, if needs be. But for the most part, you know, it's, you know, we're really there to, to help you. And um, the other part of that is that, you, it's sin. You should be kind of embarrassed by it. You know, that's um, it's not a high up on the list of reasons not to sin again, but it's certainly on the list at least that that idea of human respect that you feel bad about what you did and a little embarrassed to talk about it. Well, we should. I mean, nobody's proud of their sins. At least they shouldn't be. And so, you know, yeah, it's it's something that's there, but we have to just push through that and realize that that's. That's what that's what we get for 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 hurting hurting God is that you know we have to say something embarrassing now and um, and so it's that good dose of humility that we all need uh, in that regard. So, does that help uh, answer your your what if Father knows me? <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, uh, it isn't just what if Father knows me. I was just as you were talking about that, I was reflecting on. Uh, when we were in Saint-Denis in Paris, and I pointed out to you those glass cubicle confessions where it's not just, does Father know who I am, but everyone knows who you are, because we can all see you yep. there at the confessional. And it just, uh, we laughed about it then, I remember, but I reflected later that they, they've they just destroyed everything. They just destroyed the Mass. The difference between the posture of someone who is sitting across the table from someone chatting about their sins. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to say that everyone who goes to Confession of the Novus Ordo is chatting, but I'm saying that there's a difference when you're sitting across the table from a priest uh, ostensibly as an equal. Whether you want to be or not, you are sitting across from him as an equal. And kneeling in a darkened or darker box, screen through a screen, that for me, that is, uh, in a way, the sacrament. It, 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 that action... Um, even, you know, uh, however good an intention may be in the Novus Ordo, it, people, it's being taken from them. If you're a Novus Ordo who, who wants to go to real confession and really confess your sins, that opportunity is being taken from you simply in, in the way that confession is set up in the Novus Ordo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's true. I mean, it's, it, uh, those, the actions of people will affect the way they think of it. And if you're sitting about about a, a you know a table talking, someone sitting across from you, and there's like a nice fancy little lamp and you know a little statue on there, and uh, maybe maybe some incense burning. 
Yeah, like a picture of a nice stream rolling down and, you know, and, you know, you could be talking about the weather, you could be talking about stocks, you could be talking about your sins, you could be talking about, you know, it's kind of just lumped in there with like general nice conversation type of manner to things. Then you're not, then you're not going to have the same uh, horror at what sin really is. You know, it's going to chip away at your own mentality towards sin, and which is the greatest evil on earth. And, um, and you know, that's, I mean, that's why they do that, is to make it so, you know, we don't think that our sins are all that bad. But they are. You know, they're sins. That's, you know, we've offended God. And, you know, that's the last thing we should ever want to do in our life, is to offend God. And you certainly get that when you're kneeling uh, to you know, towards a judge, you know, the priest is the judge and you're kneeling in a way of begging for forgiveness from God for, for having offended him in the way that you have. And that's, um, you know, that's, those two things convey two totally different ideas. One is the Catholic idea of, of, of sorrow for sin and, and, and forgiveness granted. And the other is, you know, a nice chat over coffee. Father, well, we've learned a lot today and I want to close with uh, two questions that tie back to the idea of I have a lot of access to confession. I don't have that much access to confession. Okay. So the I have a lot of access to confession is, can you tell us a little bit about the importance and practice of having a regular confessor? And the I don't have a lot of access to confession. Can you talk about the practice of a perfect act of contrition? Uh, because I think a lot of times people think this is some mythical, impossible thing to do, that it's like a unicorn, like, well, you know, perfect contrition, you know, that's, that's just for the saints, I can't do that. And I think uh, sometimes that we, we do a disservice to this, uh, this great um, possibility for us. So, however, whichever order you want to answer that. Uh, and, um, okay. And All right. The, um, I'll take the, the, the having a confessor idea first um so if you do if you are fortunate enough to live in a place where you have um uh, consistent access you know ready ready access to the sacraments and especially if you live in an area where there's more than one priest perhaps that are there and those priests travel from time to time and like here at st gertrude's um you know, it's it's something up to you. I mean, you certainly are allowed to kind of hop around from one priest to another uh, to try to maintain that the anonymous approach to it. So, you know, that that father's less likely to know who I am if I go to a different one each time. And uh, you know, there's nothing wrong in that. And so, I don't want to 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 dissuade someone who does that if it means. Um, you know, if they're going, if they're more, if they're more readily going to confession by having that little kind of comfort in going to different priests, then I'd much rather that they just go to that they continue to do that and go to confession on a on a frequent basis. So, um, in that case, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. However, you know, I, when we're always looking for that next step in in the growth in our spiritual life. You know, it's really beneficial for us to have a confessor because then he can, you know, his advice is going to be much less generic and much more 
towards us and our needs, you know, that he, you know, we talked about before, you know, the com- compartmentalizing the things of, of, of confession that they don't, they don't come out of that, that folder, um, you know, outside of the confessional. But if you have a regular confessor, then you're able to talk to him about your past confessions, and he's able to then have, you know, pull out that secret key to that secret file and to provide consistent um, uh, advice that's going to help you to, to grow. Uh, you know, okay, well, you know, we tried this. Maybe this is a better thing to try this time around. Or we tried this, but you didn't follow through with it as, as well as you should have. So let's, you know, let's really try to renew that uh, so we can move forward in that way. So um, to have a consistent confessor is, is truly a very beneficial thing for your soul. It's very good for your soul um, and good for the advice that you receive and everything like that. But but, but once again, that being said, um, you know, if, if, if someone's, you know, not at that point where they're, uh, where they're really comfortable with that and they have the opportunity to go to several, to, to kind of priest talk, if you will, then, um, then okay, you know, that's, I'd, like I said, I think every priest would say the same thing, would rather you go to confession frequently than, than, uh, than, you know, struggle because you don't want to go to the same person every time, so. Would you say, Father, so that, it's yeah. analogous to having a, a personal trainer uh, versus doing it on your own? Um, yeah, I mean, only so far, because there are plenty of people that actually can, you know, that are very good taskmasters for themselves uh, in regards to working out. But when it comes to the spiritual life, um, you know, the, everybody can benefit from um, from having a, a guide, you know, if you will. So... Um, yes, in a way that, you know, having that personal trainer is somebody you answer to, but but no in the sense that, you know, there are a lot of people that don't need a personal trainer for their exercises because they're self-disciplined enough or they, you know, uh, know what what works for them, best, you know, enough in, in that regard. But, uh, but for the spiritual life, you know, it's, uh, I guess it would be more like... Uh, a better comparison would be like, okay, I'm going to go hike up Mount Everest. Do I bring a Sherpa or not? You know, and uh, <laughs> right. you might make it without without the Sherpa, but no, you, you should you be better off won't. with the Sherpa. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. okay. um, so that's that's I think probably a more uh, that's probably a more accurate analogy in that way. But you know, and then the other side of that is though. You know, if you're at a place like St. Gertrude's here where we do have, you know, several different priests, you know, on the one hand, it's nice to try to get a consistent confessor uh, to go to and you have a better chance of doing so. But sometimes we all travel. So sometimes you might. um, So just because you have a confessor, you don't have to think that you can only go to confession to that person. If the opportunity is there for you to go to confession and and you want or need to go and your priest is not around, um, then, you know, you shouldn't not go. It's just a matter of when you have, you know, a choice to, that you can choose the priest that you consistently go to, then, you know, then, you know, you, it's, it's best to make that choice to go to that priest as, as often as you can. Um, so, and then, oh, and then the other question, question number two, the perfect after contrition. Um, that's something that should be known for not only people who don't have I mean, certainly most 
most especially for those who don't have um, easy and readily accessible sacraments all the time, um, perhaps they live in a mission place or even further away, uh, even well, away from even mission places, um, then that's most important to know about. But, the, but for everybody, you know, we should all know what a perfect act of contrition is and, and do our best to make them if need be. So perfect act of contrition is essentially that we express our sorrow to God um, because we've offended him, not because we fear hell, not because we are afraid of losing graces or because we can't go to confession until we have, to communion until we have this or you know or anything like that but we are sorry we we tried we do our best to to have a pure sorrow for sin based on the fact that we have offended God uh, alone and when we have that true sorrow that uh, the the purest form of sorrow for sin in that way because of offending God um then um then the, those sins and you know if we were to die at that moment with the perfect act of contrition um then um, then if we weren't able to go to say if we committed a mortal sin and we did and we made a perfect act of contrition in that way and we were not able to get to confession in time then you know we could still save our souls in that but it's not a substitute for confession so don't people don't mistake that you still have to confess that sin at the if you commit a mortal sin and you do your best to make a perfect act of contrition, you still have to, at the next available opportunity to go to confession, to get yourself there, to make sure you get there. Um, you know, God's, this is only something that, you know, if I'm unable to make it there and I die in between, that God is going to have uh, mercy on my, on my soul in this, in this exceptional way. And for us, there's no way to know that we've actually made a perfect act of contrition. We do the best we can and hope that God... Um, you know, is is pleased with that uh, until, like I said, until we can get there. But uh, but there's no there's no light that comes on and says yes, you've succeeded in putting all the pieces together for a perfect act of contrition. You just have to, you know, just really. If, if, if only there was. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, you know, and you know, the perfect example is if you don't go to confession at the next you know, reasonable opportunity that you have. Um, you think, well, I made a perfect act of contrition. I'm all right, you know. Uh, maybe I'll hold off a little while longer. Then you probably weren't all that sorry for it, and so uh, you're, you you might be sorry for it, but you don't understand the gravity of it. Of, uh, and so, um, but we should all know about that and and make that. So you know, even if you have, you know, even if you live in a place where there's plenty of access to sacraments, um, you know, you've slipped and fell into a grievous sin, a mortal sin. Um, you know, it's not like instantaneously a priest is going to poof appear at your side and you can go to confession. You're going to have time before you can get there. It might be until the weekend. It might be, uh, you know, something along those lines. And so we should right away express how sorry we are to God for, for having sinned against him and try to, to to make that perfect act of contrition when we can. Well, Father, uh, we've covered a lot of ground today. We've talked about all different aspects of confession. I, I suppose I, I want to leave you with the last word. We've 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 gone around to different areas and uh, internal um, 
dispositions and, and uh, what the priest is thinking about, what you go to, we've even asked you, you know, what, what's different for you when you go to confession. Is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with uh, regarding this sacrament and regarding our conversation today before we let you go? Uh, yes, actually. Um, you know, I think it's important for people to realize um, with confession that it is a sacrament, and it's a sacrament for 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 people who are alive, and um, and because of that, we need to uh, we need to not only take it seriously, but also make good use of it, um, because those, it offers us sacramental graces, and those graces are there for us to take. And so, just because you know um, we might be making what we would call a, a, a confession of devotion, which is you know, a confession of necessity is we've committed a moral sin, we have to go to confession. A confession of devotion is we have venial sin on our soul, and uh, but but uh, you know, out of our own devotion, we want to still receive the sacrament. Well, um, you know, if we're making those confessions of devotion, um, those are good things to make, you know, because they um, they give us sacramental graces and graces that we have a right to receive and we should desire to receive because it's going to help us to grow in our own spiritual life, and um, and by by going frequently and following um, Pope Saint Pius X's uh, advice of making it a minimum of once a month, and uh, and more frequently if 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 available, then uh, you know it's a it's a great tool in, in saving our souls, um, and so um, so we should really try to, uh, to to do our best to to be consistent with that and to do all we can in every aspect of our life, but most importantly in the areas where we fall short to continue try to grow and get, and get closer and closer to God every day so we can one day save our souls. Well, I think that's an excellent place for us to end. Father, as always, thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, uh, we know that you've come back from uh, a lot of work uh, abroad um, and uh, thanks for uh, taking some time to, to chat with us about confession today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. As a reminder, all of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember I told you the email address where you would be able to, to reach Father is pastoralia um, at truerestoration.org. And, uh, you know, send a note to Father. Father takes his time to, to share this these important things with us, uh, you should maybe take some time to, to send him a note. Uh, please think of, uh, but remember that above and beyond contributions or a thank you note, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple ave for our work the next time you pray. For the restoration, I am Stephen Heiner. May God bless you.
This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.